Welcome to Full Release with Samantha B. Hopefully, you'll experience one by the end of this. Oh, spring has sprung, my dear listeners. So it's time for another season of Is It Allergies or Is It COVID? It's such a fun game. I don't want to play it anymore. But I'm going to focus on the positive because that is largely what this podcast is about. This week and every week, I'll be chatting with someone who I'm genuinely excited to talk to and who can give me a unique perspective on life, culture, and this highly unusual period we're all trying to navigate. Joined, as always, by my producers, Adam Howard and Svea Baron reinstein So, podcast gals, our guest today is the charming and very funny actress, Anna Ferris, who first became famous for her role in the Scary Movie franchise. What are your guys' favorite scary movies? Svia, do you even have one? You don't like scary things. No, this conversation is so not for me. I couldn't even tell you one that I've seen. I saw like oh wow. I saw like part of the like scary pet cemetery movie in like early just pet (laughs) cemetery. And I like can still picture it. Wow. It's really stuck. It's really traumatized. How old were you? I don't know, probably like four. Oh my God. I think I can relate to that. I, my brother once told me when I was around that age that mm-hmm. the Nightmare on Elm Street movies were real and oh. that they were based on our neighborhood. And when I was that <laughs> age, you, well, it's like when you, you have just enough information to go on. So he would like reference like, oh, you know, like Mrs. Vanden Heuvel, like <gasps> she was in on the murder. Cause I don't know had, who that is. Oh just like a lady that lived down the street. And it was like, it checks out. You know? That's so um, mean. So I avoided like anything Freddy Krueger related until wow. I was probably in college. And I finally was like, I need to confront this. And now I love it. I love wow. scary movies. We've talked about this before. The Shining is my favorite movie, period. Mm-hmm. And I think we've mentioned this on the podcast, but we used to have this really cute thing in the office where if people dressed similar, they would pose as the Shining Twins. And I always (laughs) wanted it to happen for me, but because I'm such a, you know, dazzling dresser normally, it never happened. And then the other day on, uh, we were on a Zoom and Svi and I were virtually identical, (gasps) but we couldn't have our moment because of COVID. What a shame. Well, I was in all of the moments (laughs) and I didn't even really know what the joke was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's right. You're always popping out of the side. Yeah. Mostly it, the photos were just of you and me because <laughs> the more we work together, the more I just started just to dress like person. you. It's <laughs> all my fault. I didn't even, we were just mind melding and we were, I ended up wearing the same outfit as you. But you like scary movies, don't you? I do. I really like scary movies, but I, my first scary movie was definitely Jaws. Oh, great. I was seven o'clock. It was seven o'clock. I was seven (laughs) years old. The spookiest time of night, 7 p.m. (laughs) So the sharks come out. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, Adam. It's when they come out and they can't see straight because it's murky and it's dusky. Um, My cousin, my older cousin, John, took me to see. He snuck me into the theater in Vancouver, Canada, and I watched Jaws and I did not swim in a pool or the lake or ocean for many years. I would stand in the bathtub. I just like, (laughs) I was afraid. I thought that everything turned into water and would gobble you. Like we had green shag carpeting and I was like, it's the ocean. I would leap across it. I was so scared, petrified. And then they also, when I was growing up, they would put really scary movies on TV, just regular TV, like, um, Oh my God, there was a vampire series with the guy from Starsky and Hutch. Oh, Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot was so scary. (laughs) That is very creepy. So scary. And of course, I saw The Exorcist and my mom loved scary movies. And then my dad took me to see Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which destroyed, like, I mean, it just destroyed my life for a really long time because I couldn't (laughs) sleep and I really was really scared of the dark for a really long time. And now I gobble up scary movies. I love them all. And I'm just so like excited that I got all the fear out of the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was little and now I'm really into them. It's amazing how not impactful scary movies are on my kids now. They just don't care at all. They're desensitized. It's more like the opportunity for them to frame the movie is so different now than it was. Like when I mean, obviously I grew up in the seventies and so you saw Jaws and then you never saw it again. So it lived in your mind. 
It just loomed <laughs> over your like, There was your a lot psyche. more bodies the last time I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was a much bigger <laughs> yeah. deal because you couldn't ever, like, rewind and go, wait, how did they, how did they film that? It just That's seemed really like yeah. real life. And now when they, when my kids watch Jaws, which we always do in the summertime, <laughs> they just go, oh my God, so stupid. And then there's like a commercial oh. for Subway. You know what I mean? Like, they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's not as impactful. Now that's terrifying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that Jared guy yeah. put him away. Like, we're watching, my son really likes scary stuff. So we're watching The Walking Dead, which oh. even when I started watching it when it first came out, I thought it was creepy. Like, it really creeped me out. Yeah. And he just has a totally different framework. Like, it just seems like TV to him. Yeah. He's not at all worried well like isn't that that show's like 12 seasons in i feel like it's just like zombies going to the bank now or something like for there's sure. nothing <laughs> exciting anymore about for it for sure yeah but, but their credit scores are horrifying <laughs> <laughs> oh i love i love scary movies and i love making fun of scary movies and all sure. those tropes and that's why i really i love the scary movie franchise on that note, we're going to take a quick break for some hand-picked ads, but don't go away because Anna Ferris is joining us when we return. Joining me today is television and film star Anna Ferris. For two decades now, she's been making audiences laugh on shows like Mom and hit films like The House Bunny, Overboard, and the Scary Movie franchise. And if that weren't enough for you. She's also the host of her insanely popular podcast, Unqualified with Anna Ferris. And honestly, if she's unqualified, I don't even know what that makes me. Welcome to the show, Anna Ferris. Samantha. You're like, okay, you're like the godmother of podcasts. How did you Okay, first of all, where are you right now? Are you in your house? Are you yes. all set up in your house? In the house. Um okay. there's a puzzle table over there. I didn't oh. know I was a puzzle person until quarantine. I love puzzles too. Puzzles I, are amazing. But why? What? What? I, it's like a moth to a flame. I cannot. Okay. I th and I, my conclusion is this, Sam. Yeah. That I somehow mm -hmm. uh, get a lot of uh, mental relief in the simple organization of shit, I guess. I was going to ask you, because I feel like there's a shared quality with puzzle lovers, which is that you like love lists. And you like, do you like lists? Do no. You, are you? Oh, no. Okay. Nope. Okay. No, I prefer, I, I mean, I should. I hear okay. that's like the key to success. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. Like, as I like like fake lists of things that I've already done just so I can check them off. So I don't know if that's like, I don't know if that's all that great. Maybe but, okay. I'll graduate to lists. <laughs> I mean, I've been an actor for, so I like people mm -hmm. make lists for me and then oh. remind, you know what I mean? Okay, it's I that sort of spoiled. I love it. <laughs> but do you, get, do you feel like a total satisfaction? Like when you have that final piece and you put it in the little slot and it just tucks in perfectly. You're just like, boop. Yes. But I, um, I, I, it truly has taken me by surprise. Maybe it's not worth analyzing, but I like the whole thing. And then I'll break it apart immediately. I'll put it in a box. I'll open up another one. <laughs> like, it, it's um I and I really think there's something because maybe I should meditate. Oh. You know what I mean? Maybe there's a linkage there of like Are you able to meditate? Are you like that? Or can you can you actually I cannot meditate. I've never tried, honestly. Sam. Okay. Okay. There's a there's a radio show that I sometimes turn on. It's like you know, like an NPR radio show. And through the pandemic, they've been doing a meditation minute at the beginning of the radio show. And I have to tell you that like, not in the mood through the whole pandemic. I was like, I like the whole radio show. It's really, really good. But I can't get through the meditation minute without I have to physically turn the radio off because I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill someone. Yeah. Just like a little bell rings. Don't and it's like, you put ding, your mental peaceness. I'm like, I don't want your agenda. I I do not accept this minute and it's 60 seconds and cannot get through it. So I feel like, well, I wonder though, do we take comfort in some sick way of all mm -hmm. the 
shit that's rumbling around in our head. Maybe. At least I don't want, I think that's why meditation scares me. You know, it, it is like the alone with thought idea. Right, right. Like being in an isolation chamber, I feel like I would just be <laughs> one of those like, gee, what, I don't even know what they're called, but you sit in a puddle of warm urine, <laughs> I assume. It's someone else's for like a half an hour. I've been wondering, Sam, I'm so sorry. Now I'm pretending. I I don't mean to be dominating. But what? When you were a kid, did you ever fantasize about like living in the woods by yourself? I was an only child. Do you have brothers? Do you have brothers and sisters? I have an older brother. Older brother. So I think I more, my fantasy (laughs) was more like, will someone invite me to do something? (laughs) Like, could I have a social life? Because I did spend too much time like living in the belfry and reading books and peering out a window at children who were playing <laughs> and going like, when will I play a game? <laughs> when, did you fantasize about living in a forest? All the time. Really? All the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I liked, well, I also wasn't, I felt, and I still feel this way that mm-hmm. sometimes I don't know social rule well that's kind of incorrect i'm i am 44 i have like i do have some some friends but but growing up it was um i don't know it was i think i was my my parents my mom especially Mm -hmm. they she was kind of insistent that i stay a kid for as long as possible okay and that manifested itself in ways like you know she wouldn't let me subscribe to any teen magazines or women's magazines. Okay. She has a whole thing about Pretty Woman, the movie, and sure. Grease. Of doesn't course. like, like, um, mm-hmm. so I felt like I wasn't, like, in terms of pop culture, I didn't have much reference to, mm-hmm. I certainly didn't know how to, to be cool in any way. Mm-hmm. And I played a lot of, like, imaginary games by myself. Okay. And we did have a woods in the backyard. Okay. So I was down there all the time. So, yeah, I I guess the solitary fantasy Mm. has been – and I started to wonder if every kid has that, but I guess you didn't because you maybe were already a little solitary. Uh, Maybe too too solitary. Do you do that now? Like do you seek as as an adult woman, do you find solace in nature? Do you go out and just like chill? Okay. I grew up in Washington State, and we mm-hmm. went hiking every every weekend okay. and um, camping. I don't know. Sure, oh, sure. I, I I like a comfortable like bed. I do too. <laughs> I think back on all the time my husband and I, when we got together, we camped all the time, and we would sleep on rocks, and we would just sleep on like beds of twigs, and we were like, "This is incredible." And now he's like, "Should we take our pets <gasps> camping?" And I'm like, "What do you mean by camping?" Like. The same type of camping where we were putting like pine boughs down and going like, this is softer than I thought. <laughs> but don't you think like, or especially early on, like the first year of a relationship, you're sleeping like three hours anyway. Sure. It's true. Right? It's true. And trying to be so impressive. Yes. Trying to be so impressive, <laughs> impressive in ways that you don't have to be after the year. After the year is up, you don't have to, you yeah, have to worry about that stuff anymore. Yeah, the razor can like... You know, <laughs> we're not so get a little rusty. Dedicated. Okay, we have so many. We have so many things that we have to talk about. You're releasing a game, yes, and I got a copy of your game. I don't know how you got it. I love that. I'm I don't, so thrilled. It appeared at my doorstep, and I opened it, and I immediately started. It's really fun. Thanks. It's super fun. Okay, can you tell me, like, how did that even happen? Because you talk about it's called deal breakers. Yes. Yes. So we used to, on the podcast, we Mm -hmm. used to, well, I used to like have people over at my house and we would have like pizza and wine and Mm -hmm. kind of make an evening out of the podcast. And it was also really great too early on because a lot of celebrities hadn't done podcasts. They weren't, they, now it's, and like, and for good reason, I think because it is such a long format, Mm -hmm. it's, I think people are hesitant sometimes to do anyway but back then mm-hmm. right, right. <laughs> so I had a list of men in professions mm-hmm. that I thought one should not date right and the list went like this magicians oh my god that's such good advice thank you oh my god okay I'm already blown away. <laughs> yep. Musicians, with the okay. exception of 
um, like second chair violinist. First chair, okay. I don't think you want to do that. And anybody in the rock. <laughs> sure. Uh, third uh, was professional athletes, not mm. because of the reputation of infidelity. I mean, that's certainly one thing, but I also thought like having to nurture someone through yes. like the wins, losses. the losses, the injuries, the new mm. rookie bruising your partner's ego, whatever, all that okay. stuff felt exhausting. Yes. Oh gosh, I have so many. I'm blanking on them now, but I really do. I have a lot. That's amazing. That's a lot of emotional labor, like nurturing someone through their yeah. highs and lows. Like just if they're if someone's is in a career that's like a roller coaster ride. Yeah, like we, uh, we already are in that a bit. Yeah, yeah. And well, and back to magicians. The um, <laughs> let's let it, let's go back to magicians. <laughs> let's go back. There's a reason they're number one. Yeah, but I I, I thought like the idea, the ego that needed the um sort of the trick the finesse the uh-huh. i'm too cynical to be wooed like that i think okay mm. okay i love so that so the list goes on and yeah. i wish i had my list in front of me there's a bunch of them the conclusion was samantha that the only person you could date would be like a woodworker like <laughs> specifically for canoes okay somebody who who built <laughs> Canoes, the only you know, suitable partner <laughs> like in life is Kevin Costner in <laughs> Message in a Bottle. Is <laughs> someone who can take a tree, yeah. fell the tree, like hopefully fell the tree by himself, yeah, and carve it out into to take a single piece of wood and turn it into something magical that you can then right. go paddle around. I think that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> That's really good advice. Really That's some of my <laughs> friends. Thought I was a little judgmental. Okay. So we started to challenge these ideas, and mm-hmm. we would have this section on the podcast called Deal Breakers. Okay. And we had enough compiled that we were like, let's make a game. Maybe everybody will enjoy this. So that's what happened, Sam. Oh, my God. It's such a good game. What about a chef? Star chef. That's oh, tough. That's an, that's that a, was, that that's was number gotta five. That's got to be one. Oh, yes. that's number five. Okay, because that's— I'm so glad you—yes, because— I assumed watching Kitchen Nightmares, mm-hmm. never having dated a chef, of course. I haven't uh-huh. dated that many people. That's mm-hmm. why I think I can draw such harsh conclusions. Of course. Because I'll like, just Listen. get my information from television. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's rooted in something, for God's sake. Yeah. Well, I thought that that environment nurtured temper. Temper. And like that was part of the bravado. Mm-hmm. Because of Gordon Ramsay, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like I've worked in so many restaurants. Like we have definitely worked in so many restaurants and it's a hundred percent. You could never date a chef. I apologize to all of the very famous chefs who listen to this podcast. <laughs> You're all the exception. You guys are <laughs> great. What positions were you when you were, I, I've only worked as a waitress for mm-hmm. four months mm-hmm. at a retirement home. What? That was a tough fucking job. Five twenty-five an hour. Yeah. No tips. No tips. No. No tips. Mm-mm. I wanted that job so I could get a job at a real restaurant mm-hmm. and not start out as a hostess. That was my. That was my college plan. <laughs> All of this I relate really hard to. I definitely okay. Was very sure when I was in college and had decided to be an actor. And we can talk about this too because I was like, I'm going to be a really serious actress. Like I'm going to be. I'm the new Lady Macbeth. And in the meantime, I'm going to take all of, like, I have to pay my bills. I got to pay, work in a restaurant, whatever. And I didn't know how to do that. And so I did have the four cents that I needed to start small and then build my waitering career. (laughs) So I started working at a pancake house called the Golden Griddle. And I worked the night shift. So I would work from midnight, like, 10 p.m. until 6 a.m. and just take in all, all the patrons at 3 a.m. who were like, I'm so fucking wasted and I need pancakes now. So that was my beat. When you got home from work at mm-hmm. like 5 or 6 a.m. or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. did you smell like kind of like sugary grease? It was more like pure grease. It was <laughs> like just like pure, pure, nothing nice about it. Just like acid, horrible, like tangy sour like a this that sour kitchen smell and sometimes i can still if i go into a restaurant and i'm like i smell a dirty kitchen like i can like it just 
it's so triggering for me. I'm like, this place is dirty. We got to get out. Like I can, I can smell the grease trap. So I waited and I was like, one day I'll know about wine, which never really came to me. I know nothing about it. One day I'll like learn about wine and then I'll work in a fine dining restaurant while I still do my acting career. Yeah. And then none of that happened (laughs) at all. Did you want to, when you start, because you're like, okay, we have to acknowledge right now that I think you're so fucking funny. And like, I'm so happy to be meeting you right now. Thanks, Sam. I'm such a huge fan. And I think you're like impossibly funny. Did you always want to be funny? No. Okay. Well, and thank you, but I I don't think here's what I think. Mm-hmm. Here's my 44 year old conclusion of okay. wh- why I am in comedy. I think it's because I don't know what my face is doing. <gasps> when? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yep, it's as simple yes. as that. <laughs> okay. <gasps> This makes, this is, yeah, because Sam, like you, I took myself, I was determined to be taken seriously in the world. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was um, a really short kid for a long time, a very late bloomer. Mm -hmm. I, I, um, I was really quiet in school. But I was acting as a kid, like I did local theater as a kid, and I yeah. so I it, so that was hugely important to me. Mm-hmm. I was realistic enough to think I wouldn't ever uh, be able to make a living at it. Okay, but um, but then I I I decided after college I was going to give Los Angeles a year. Okay, I had decided to quit acting in college, but I was still doing. I had an agent in Seattle. So okay. I would do like regional commercials or like a gig here and there, training video. Right. One of training video, I played a patient. It was for nurses to like how to break yeah. bad news to a patient. We had that too in, in Toronto. <laughs> we had like, there was like a whole team. There was like a whole building that you could go to and you were like, oh, I'm bleeding to death. Let's, you were just like training doctors with their bedside manner. And then you'd afterwards, you'd be like, I didn't enjoy, <laughs> I didn't enjoy your bedside manner because I was bleeding to death. And you were asking me if I had had sexual relations. Like I was, you know, <laughs> you were like, so you did that too. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, yes, but so, yeah, it was to date, like, the most dramatic performance I think I've given was okay. this young woman finding out that she has cancer. So it was, it was really surprising when I, when I got Scary Movie and, and terrifying. I, I thought, okay. I've told this before, I don't, I don't know how, like, many of my rabid fans will be like, well, she said that before. I've but heard this story. Heard I this. don't want to hear it again. <laughs> Everybody loves to hear stories, like, more than one. It's, like, it's good. When I got it, I called my my college roommate when I booked Scary Movie, and I said, I, I got this movie. It's a spoof comedy. And she interrupted me. She said, but Anna, oh, my God, you're not funny. And I said, I know. I know, Claire. My heart was gripped with fear because— fear. Well, because I was in a fucking movie, right. and also because I didn't know what what funny meant. I didn't understand it right. in a as a separate entity from what I was doing, and I still right. don't. <laughs> Do you think when you reflect that there's an innate funniness to you, and probably that comes from taking things very seriously? <laughs> so the more seriously you would commit it to. Yeah, your audition, and made it real, and that is what made you funny. In in a very like humbling way, I bet anything that's what Keenan Wayans would say. That (laughs) that's why he cast me. Yes, have you had? Because I have had this experience, and I relate to what you say about my face. I can't control it; like it just does stuff. Yep. And I think that's a great thing, and it is now an asset. And it's like. It's, it's really great. hard with Zoom. It's really hard with Zoom. It's so hard with Zoom. Like, I definitely feel like I'm this, like this all the time. I mean, no one can see this, but I'm like, mm. like I'm just <laughs> working on my neutral face <laughs> and trying to make it look normal and just <laughs> like static kind of. But there is something so devastating too about going to an audition and you are trying really hard and you're just like, 
I'm really serious and I'm serious about my craft. And then everyone just goes, <laughs> that was great. That was yes. really funny. But can we try one that's like serious? Can you just try? Yes. And you're like, oh, yes. I auditioned for six feet under <gasps> and Lauren Ambrose, I believe mm-hmm. that's the actress. Yes. Oh, yeah. Who's brilliant. Yeah. Who got great. the role. <laughs> But I auditioned for it, and um, Alan Ball, I, I was lucky enough to be able to audition Great. for him at that point. And the scene was, I'm high on meth. Uh-huh. The first scene was, I'm at a party with all my drugged-up friends or my boyfriend mm-hmm. or whatever, and I get the phone call that my dad has died in a car accident. Okay. So it's it's an intense this audition. really intense. You're, like, pouring over the sides for days. Oh, You're yeah. like, I'm going to get this. You've yeah. cried personally. yeah. And in the middle of my audition where I'm there, like, there's this, there, I remember this, there was a scene where I'm like driving back and like talking to my brother or something on the phone about dad's death. And I'm still like high on meth or whatever. Sure. <laughs> and um, I'm pretending to drive in mm-hmm. front of Alan and he starts laughing <gasps> and laughing. And he said, you are funny. Oh, it was definitely reinforced at that moment that I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> that made me successful in this industry. Wow. How did you take that? Oh, okay. So, so it, it was a compliment. Yeah. Like there's a humble brag in this that I made right. him laugh. But confounding in mm-hmm. I really, really wasn't trying to. It is a mixed bag (laughs) (laughs) to say the least it feels like i guess was that the moment when you really listened to the universe and you were like all right fine no i heard you or no 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 No, i still i still i'm still trying to get those dramatic (laughs) and you know what is like what is actually i think really true is i think you would fucking kill a dramatic role because always dramatic roles are done best by comedy people and funny people because funny people can tap into, I don't know, have depths, have deep pools. So it's gonna connect. Thanks, Sam. I'm gonna you're, I'm gonna write that in my diary. You're gonna be that meth <laughs> addict <laughs> driving home from the tragic car yeah. accident. Well, so when I was pitching, um House Bunny came about because mm-hmm. um, Kirsten Smith and Karen Lutz, the writers, they saw Just Friends and they asked if I would meet with them. Mm-hmm. So we met for coffee and they were, they asked me if I had any ideas for characters. And I right. said, well, you know, I'm really interested in kind of like a lower echelon playboy bunny mm-hmm. who maybe gets kicked out of the mansion because – you know, she either maybe she has a drug problem or maybe she won't like go down on somebody. It's like she's finally had enough or right. or she's too old, gets kicked out, whatever, and has to return to, you know, maybe her conservative southern town with like a maybe a dick for a stepfather and and maybe she's trying to kick her meth addiction. Right. And and they were like looking at me like they were oh okay uh huh uh huh and then like a week later they were like you know we were thinking about your Playboy Bunny idea mm-hmm. what if she became a house mom at a sorority <laughs> I was like okay all right all right okay we could yep. do that <laughs> I, that's good too this is a parallel it's very good very good yeah yeah I'll do that we could do that too we could do that too I'll save all the meth the, the yeah. meth, kicking meth ideas. For later on. So do you like, do you like pitching? Do you like that process? No. No, it's not fun. Well, I don't mind it. It's just, in my experience, it's just Mm -hmm. so hard. I mean, because it's more than an audition. It's um, like just the large investment, I think. Right. So we pitched that movie 24 times. And okay. the twenty fourth time um, we pitched it uh, to Happy Madison, and they but and we would continue to get the same kind of feedback, like "Oh my god, right. that was so great! What a fun idea!" Right. I would kind of go into the pitches, sort of dressed up and like wearing this big pad of bra, and uh-huh. so it felt like, well, this is impossible. They clearly enjoy this, and right. that seems fun, but that's that's sort of the end. That's where it stops. But um, but I do really love. 
I think that there was the realization of having to be proactive in my own career that right. hit me around 27. Okay. I think. Mm-hmm. Does that you you probably feel me on that? I do feel you on that. I actually just did like I did an interview this morning with someone's college newspaper and they always and I'm sure people ask you this all the time they're always like what's your number one piece of advice like what advice do you give to young people coming up in comedy and it's it's kind of like what you and I are talking about right now it's very much about like having your own agency or like it's like being proactive in your own career like keeping ideas flowing writing for yourself trying to hone in on what it is that you really like to do yes yeah what characters do you like to play like what do you who do you how do you want to what do you want to say i guess in this world with your body of work and that's not an easy like no one wakes up and goes here's my career i'm going to lay it out it always takes wild turns and and that's a great thing like that's really joyful i always give the advice that people don't ever want to hear oh <laughs> which is like do community theater yes <laughs> Well, yeah, it's, there's a lot of, I think there is a lot of like, people probably look at your career and they're like, I want to be like Anna Ferris. I want to get a starring role on a long running TV show. And you're like, <laughs> well, let me tell you <laughs> about Here the building the blocks. Steps. You there's need to audition for Heidi, the musical at the Issaquah Village Theater. 100%. Like, you have to <laughs> do comedy in a bar yeah. for 10 years. <laughs> and like, it's, it's so true, right? Like, one of the main pieces of advice is don't ever expect to get paid <laughs> for this. But maybe one day, <laughs> like accepting that you can't live without this thing will teach you that you really love it anyway. And that's when yeah. you'll start getting paid. It's, yes. It does sound awful when you say those things to people. <laughs> I, I have been tempted to, well, I, I don't like, I don't know, but it felt like maybe a decade ago I was getting asked this more frequently mm-hmm. by parents more. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Anyway, I thought about maybe having a little card printed mm-hmm. saying like, oh, yeah, just call this number. This is an agent in Hollywood, California, and then you'll just climb the ladder. Then step on the ladder. That would be a real go. dick move of me, I think, <laughs> if I actually did something like that. But to the large point of uh, all the work and rejection yeah. that has padded our the mm-hmm. success. Yes, there's a lot of you have to eat a lot of shit sandwiches. Yeah, there's a lot of shit sandwiches along the way. And scene. <laughs> Do you like the process of auditioning and or pitching? I do. I don't audition for stuff anymore because I don't really do anything outside of, I used to kind of, I worked at The Daily Show for a long time and I used to try to get acting jobs and try to do all that. But then I really, like I had kids and I realized that I really didn't like being in things. Like it took me a really long time to really understand that I don't, I don't want to do that. I like what, I like how I do it. And, um, and I'm not, I'm more passionate about like how I go out and shoot field pieces now. Like that's, that's, I figured out the kernel of the thing that I really like to do. And that's, that's what I really like to do. So I kind of stopped doing that, but I do pitch TV shows. So do you have a production company? Do you like that process? I do. I do like it. I do. And I don't, it's, I think it's exactly the same thing that you were saying. It's, it's a tremendous. Now that I know this, can I, I don't have any, things top of mind mm-hmm. but can i can i pitch you something later Sam? are you kidding me <gasps> are you kidding are you literally kidding me because i would die if you did i would die of okay. happiness listen i'm 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 i think i'm thinking on this yeah no it's a great i yep the answer is it's a cool yes and i do i like the process but it is like you're so right it's so much a part of really building a career with legs is keeping the flow of ideas. Yeah. And meeting people. A- and control. Control. I found a lot of satisfaction when I've had a little more power outside mm-hmm. of 
being an actor on Mm -hmm. set, whether it's being the lead or whether it's being like, I I enjoy that. I like setting a really great mood on set or, and I like understanding what uh, everybody's job is. I like Mm -hmm. that element too. I think it speaks to that little Napoleon side of me Mm -hmm. that was established being very short in a very tall family. <laughs> I apologize for not knowing this. Have you? Are you directing? Are no. you directing? Is that something that you want to do? Yeah, um, I would. I would. Yeah. I would re- I, and I, I think that that's just been um, something over the last couple of years that I've really been thinking about. That would be such a great, that would be so great. I hope that your, I hope your team is putting you out there. I just need a megaphone. I just want to like get everyone to hustle. <laughs> There's something when I, it was like years and years ago, I was working at the Daily Show. I was like, you know, like kind of doing one thing every two weeks or something like that, or one thing per month. It wasn't a lot of work at the time. And Pink came and she performed at the show. And we would all watch like the feed of everybody rehearsing. And I swear to Jesus Christ, I learned so much from just watching her operate for like 15 minutes. Why? She just very calmly controlled the entire rehearsal. She just was so unashamed of like, I don't, not unashamed, but she was just super open about what her needs were and expectation that her needs would be met. Like she was like, it sounds wrong in my ears. Fix the thing. Fix. Can you do this? I need you to do this. Everything was super. It was respectful. It was in control. She and made direct, direct, like effortless. Very. It was. She was just a very naturally a boss of that situation. And I don't know Pink at all. I didn't meet her. I don't know if you two know each other. I really don't know. But I honestly will never forget watching her operate and that's how you would be oh thank you you know how it works i i had a brief encounter with her i was totally starstruck and she was Mm. just amazing in case pink is listening to this podcast i love you i'm sure she is yeah i love her too i'm sure but sam i'm i admire you as a leader so much and and it feels like you know it is I think that some roles and some professions or whatever are kind of a Cinderella's shoe. Like you Mm kind of like, this is well suited to. Right. But it takes a long time. It takes experience. I mean, it's taken me a super long time. And now, and anyway, I see directing in your future is what I'm saying. Because when it's done well, you feel so comfortable. You know, a director's job is to make everybody feel like, they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Everything is under control. You're going to make your day. Nobody's freaking out. I would really, I think the element I would really love is, mm-hmm. is, is just, is working with actors. I would love. Right. And, I, and the directors that I've worked with that have communicated well with actors are kind of few and far between. Right. They've all, for the most part, been very kind and nice and, mm-hmm. and, but I, uh, but I really, I'm eager in exploring that area of like, mm. like kind of the fun play of right. of imagination. I guess mm, that's great. Our days are going to be long. Oh, you're not going to make any of your days for the first five years. <laughs> like, but that's fine. <gasps> yeah. At the end of <laughs> when you're 65, you'll be just getting every coming in under budget. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally fine. Yep. Oh God, Ferris is directing. Oh boy, here we go. We're just we're, let's we'll just pump we'll pump up the budget and not tell her, and then everything will be fine. Sam, can I you? I know you have quite maybe questions for me, but I did want to ask you: mm-hmm. Do you enjoy the podcast? I love it. I actually really, really love it. And of course, I'm very late to the party, um, but I do love it. I like having longer conversations like I don't the format of my show I don't really get to do that you know everything has to be in these like little shareable six and a half minute blocks so it's actually I find it really fun and it's not getting to know people it's not aesthetic it's not like exactly I did put on makeup for you though 
I put on eyeliner, but you can't see it because I didn't put on enough. And I am, I'm so excited to be talking to you. I'm actually sweating and I can feel like <laughs> I'm just covered in sweat. <laughs> like this to me, actually, like I have a whole page of questions for you, but actually I'm not using any of them because it's such a fun conversation. And that is what I like about a podcast. But you like did them five years. You started your podcast like five years ago. Yeah. 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 How, why, how come? Like, why did you start it? So I started it with the intention of of talking to strangers. I wanted, okay. I was a fan of Loveline. Mm-hmm. And I thought that sort of exploring like a, like a bad but earnest advice mm-hmm. um, podcast would be kind of fun. Right. But then it then it became a, like a a job, <laughs> right? <gasps> yeah, and I I wasn't exa- a job that I really love, but I mm-hmm. wasn't I I think back then if you had told me that I mean I truly I ordered two microphones off of Amazon, right? <laughs> and I was like I don't know I guess I'll just have maybe a friend over and then maybe right. we'll do some outreach somehow. So we still do an advice portion, which I really, really love. People submit letters to us and we call them and we have like an actual expert. Oh, that's great. And we talk to people mostly about how to deal with a situation, which the situation is usually somebody is more in love with somebody else than that person is with them. It's the imbalance. Like, why kind of like, why don't they like me a little bit, which we've all all oh, been through and so um, painful yeah anyway so th- so that's the that's the podcast update now and then it's been uh over quarantine it's been a kind of a great way to yes you know, to still be creative yeah and still be humanly functioning but sam sometimes i really um like i don't know if i'll be off a little bit but sometimes i find like the infil not infiltration because I I try to really be prote- like protecting I protective of my guests uh-huh. but that like I don't know if you struggle sometimes like sometimes all like the water the navigating water like just with somebody you don't know mm-hmm. who is famous uh-huh. um, there's definitely been times when I've thought oh I don't know how good I am at this because. Oh. I'm not. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, like sometimes it's the navigation of like, oh, this person is kind of well, and I don't mind if she hears this, but uh-huh. because I because I told her this, but Paris, like Paris Hilton was okay, uh, a great example of a one answer. Like she, I would say, would ask her like a kind of a detailed question. Yeah, but I think it's it's just not always easy having a long format interview with somebody you haven't met oh. before. Do people have an expectation of a certain Anna Ferris when they meet you for the first time? What do you think people's expectations are just present when when people meet you? I think they're probably expecting me to be a nice person. Okay, that's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. But um I think, um, yeah, I, I think I, pro- I hope I, I, I think probably like a nice, friendly person. Right. And I tried to, that I try to be like, I, 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 I think a lot. My brother, I come from a family of sociologists. Okay. <laughs> My brother okay. is a fourth generation sociologist. Wow. And he told me a few years back something that I just love that he. Like that, just thinking about the industry, our industry in this way. But he said, you know, your industry um, is more self-congratulatory than any other industry I can think of. <laughs> and I love kind of that distance. You know, yeah. it is comforting to because there's so much of our emotion wrapped up into this business. Yeah. Um it's nice to have a degree of separation from it. Yeah. But I do think a lot about um about fame and the absorption, the personal absorption mm-hmm. a bit of it and 
and the grappling with that idea right. a little bit. Um, like, I think going back to wanting to, my childhood, wanting to live in the woods, I mm-hmm. was specific, Sam. I wanted to live in the Yukon. The Yukon. In the Yukon. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, um, I, I know a bit about, for an American, uh-huh. Canadian geography. You must. To fantasize about living. Okay. Have you been to the Yukon? I can name some provinces. This like, is uh, nobody's business except for Canadians. This is, can I just say that there's nothing that makes a Canadian feel better than to know that an American even knows that we have things called provinces. I love your country. That is like golden. All the Canadians who are listening to this just, if they weren't already in love with you, they're like fully there. They're like, province. Everyone from the States is like, what are your states called? The state of Ontario. And everyone's like, oh, how dare you? Are you impressed, Sam? Uh, I'm beyond. I'm beyond words. Like, I'm beyond words. I really want to drive to Alaska. That Um, is quite a trip. I think. I don't know. But it seems like it would be. Uh, I'm so down with that kind of idea. Yeah. What a fun trip. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like like barren, like miles of woods, Mm -hmm. like a lot of gas station stress. Tundra, like tundra. Where are we going to? I haven't been that far north, but I do during the pandemic was like definitely fantasizing about, should we do that polar bear trip where you go to like Churchill, Manitoba and you stay at an outpost and you, you don't like bother them. You can't, but you just sort of drive around in an ATV and you go look at them from a distance and then they look at you and they're like, are you edible? And then you scurry <laughs> away. <laughs> that is appealing. Mm-hmm. Manitoba is the one I always forget. Oh, it's, I don't want to, I, I don't want to curse myself with Manitoba people. I've been there. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. It's um, fine. But I, Sam, I I feel like I forgot your original question, essentially. I also forgot my original question. Oh, I think I was trying to tie in my desire for uh, nature, solitude, introvert in Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. I, I much prefer performing as a character, I think. And I think that that kind of elements um, sort of bleeds into my like the any kind of fame experience that I have outside of the actual performance, if that makes sense. I appreciate your brother's words. It is a very (laughs) self-congratulatory profession. We do love to invent award shows to give ourselves awards. And we're just all like, (laughs) just kind of going to award shows with the same people. And it just circulates like who gets it? (laughs) Like kudos, everyone. We did another year of TV (laughs) and movies. Yeah, each other a thing. (laughs) Um, Do you what would you what do you think your younger self would think about the life you're living now? It must be it would be so trippy. (laughs) I think I was I was really practical. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have ever imagined that I could have made a living off of acting. Right, but I did feel like I was good. I felt like I was. Like, I, I did, I was kind of bad at everything else. Mm-hmm. I was a terrible athlete. I was like a B-plus student with mm-hmm. some degree of effort, whereas with my brother, it felt like academics came easier. And mm-hmm. I and I didn't feel less intelligent, so it was a, it was a frustrating experience. Right. <laughs> but, um, but I did feel, as a performer, like uh, I... I felt emotion deeply, so therefore, how could I not be okay at performing if you're, you know what I mean? I don't know if that's a ridiculous thing to say. No, you just have deep pools of emotion. Yeah. And easy access. (laughs) There's so much drama in here. I've got to bring. (laughs) Sam, were you ever angry about being um, born a female? Like, I. I had Oh. You were you? Yeah. Really? Like I Yeah. I felt the injustice early and oh. profoundly. I can pinpoint a feeling when I had a j- injustice in my heart where 
I don't know. Did your parents raise you with like, did you boycott things when you were growing up? Were you like, now we boycott grapes because people are treated poorly in the fields. Yeah, we definitely did that. I definitely was a part of that too. And then I remember doing a letter writing campaign to my local newspaper when I was like about eight. Because in when I watched commercials with like board games, like Popomatic Trouble. I oh, love you. The boys won the I game win. every time. Yeah, they're like, I did it. It was always the white blonde boy. Always. And so I wrote a letter to I love the paper that. that was called, there was like a section for kids called My Beef. And I wrote in and I was like, I object. I win every game I play. <laughs> like I just, I'm a winner. <laughs> And I need people to know it. And I need that to be reflected in our media. And they they sent me a really ugly hat. But it's nice to look back on those feelings. Oh, we would have been good friends. We would have been really, really good friends. These things are all still possible. Okay. We're pitching shows. We're creating like a whole. Yes. Just like there's, we're both Mm -hmm. impresarios. We can create things. Okay. These are all conversations to be had. This is my last question. I have two questions, actually. Do you almost feel like you learn something when you talk to people, when you do your podcast? Because I feel like I learn something every single time. Is that like part of the journey for you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Next. yes, yes. I, I, and I wish I could think of specific examples. What has been really interesting, I think, um, is how when I talk to celebrities about their different passion levels mm-hmm. towards different sides of the business. That's always mm-hmm. that's always fascinating to me. Right. I love talking to them about their relationships. Right. Which, but that is also tricky territory. Right. right because right, right. Every, everybody, rightfully so, yeah. gets like, I'm kind of a little private about that. But yeah, I think people are, for the most part, endlessly fascinating. Mm-hmm. Claire, my college roommate who told me I wasn't funny, which was very true, <laughs> told me once, she said, she said, God, Anna, I feel like you could talk to like anybody about like their sock drawer. That's such a compliment. I thought so too. Yeah. It's a great compliment. Is your sock drawer well organized, Sam? Mine? No. It's piles of socks, but they are together in pairs. I'm very diligent about putting them in pairs. Can I show you the kind of socks I wear? Yeah. Just just so Let you get see. a sense of I gotta get who it. I am. <gasps> I am. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Those are great socks. Two Those socks. Are great. They they hold it all together. I would they show you my it. underwear too. Like there is practical stuff happening. That is great. Practical <laughs> because you know what? Ultimately, ultimately what is sexy is when practical things come off. And I think that that's true of like <laughs> Yes. No one really cares all that much about the the sexuality of your underwear. It's fine. It's whatever. But underwear has a purpose. But Sam, does, you, does your husband feel the same? Or like, because... Well, I don't think he... I don't... I think he's just come to... I've beaten him to... Whatever. I've beaten him down. It's been a really long time. He's never had... He's He has no realistic expectation that my underwear is going to look beautiful. And we're comfortable... We're, it's fine because I'm like yeah. this is it's clean, it's like it fits fine. <laughs> I put on this button down shirt for you, but <gasps> I love a button. Down. I've just got sweats, sweats. And I'm gonna sweat. Take it off and I'm gonna put on like a grubby t-shirt. Oh, I might do yeah. some laundry. Oh, this is exciting. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm shower. Gonna watch Survivor. Watch Survivor. This is great. Okay. Okay, this is my final, yeah. final. This is my. This has been great. I have loved talking to you. I my- love you, Sam. I hope you come on my podcast, and I want to send you something. <gasps> I've been knitting hats. What? They're what? not great. <laughs> this is incredible. Why? Just because you're like, I got to learn how to do this, and you have to practice like four thousand times, and to get the hat right. What I is think- the? What is your journey in knitting? I think it's it's been a quarantine journey again, like with the puzzles. Okay. That it's like uh, a way to feel productive while still sitting down and watching reality television. That 
is great. Okay, I'm going to send you something too. And you know what? Okay. You know what the thing is? Should I no. tell you or should it be a surprise? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Is it something that you made a hobby kind of? Yours? of. Yes, okay. it is my okay. hobby. Oh, I kind of want to hear it now. Well, I keep honeybees now and I have honey in my backyard. Oh my is, god, Sam. That's a quarantine hobby and I have a jar and I'm going to send it to you and you're going to love it. This is incredible. I love bees. I've always wanted it. Like the (gasps) fantasy plan B for me has truly been to be a beekeeper. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I have uh, two hives in my backyard. I've done it for two years now. And now I'm like, all right, once it's backup plan for life. I'm like, I love it so much. I love them. There's it's so peaceful to me. Like it's just the most (sighs) wonderful hobby. And so I'm really trying to learn, like, you know, like, because I'm busy, so there's, like, a guy who kind of manages the beehives. Yeah, because there's, there's mites, all kinds of, there's all kinds of yeah, things you, you gotta, have to... like, it's really a skill. It's not just, like, no. uh, you know, no, a couple of boxes No, you don't just pour them there. in and walk away and, like, come back and there's honey. You know, it's, like, a whole thing. So I'm really trying to learn how to do it, how to, like, build the hive and how to make it really functional now. So I'm... I'm like really, really learning the craft, which is really fun. I like love it. But anyway, we got, I got, I've got all these, I got a bunch of jars of honey and I will send you one if you love bees and I will um, be happy to go on a journey. Hey, subscribe to a beekeeping magazine. I also have a fantasy. I do like the idea of having goats and somehow making some kind of goat milk product, which I don't Mm -hmm. always enjoy. Sure. I prefer mm-hmm. cow milk mm-hmm. products, but goats seem a little easier maybe to keep. Anyway, keep that, I'll keep you when posted when we start our backyard happens. farms. <laughs> well, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for saying yes. Thank you. I really would love to be in touch with you. Oh, Can I bug please. you? please. I'm going to need your details okay. anyway because I'm really going to actually send you a jar of honey. I would love it. I'm, I'll send you a hat. Oh. Do you have a color? A, a gray, Ooh. navy, black, I love cream. all of those colors and I wear them in equal measure. Those are like the colors that I wear. Navy, cream, black, okay. and whatever other one you said is also. Yeah. Okay. Sam. I love you so much, and thank you for having me on your podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, we'll be in touch. Okay, bye! All right, bye, Sam. Okay, I got to squeeze in another quick break here. Okay, all right. That was great. She is a lovely person. That worked out perfectly. That worked out <laughs> Not perfectly. Too scary. Not scary at all. Okay, so... As we all know now, Anna's podcast is called Unqualified, even though she is like totally, completely qualified to do so much. And I'm a multi-talented, I'm like a a multi-hyphenate, once-in-a-generation talent. (laughs) I can do pretty much anything, right? So we're going to play a little game of Sam be very qualified. And my producers are going to give me some scenarios, and I'm going to explain why I could do it very well. Okay. All right, are gonna, we ready? We're going to start you off with a softball. Okay. Softball. Sam, yeah. why would you be an incredible soul cycle instructor? I would be the worst soul cycle instructor. This no. game is over. <laughs> this game Shut is bad. Shut it down. Uh, no, that is no. Oh my God. Are you kidding? I can't. Uh, no, I, I should have made a separate category because like physical challenges. I'm not qualified to do those. <laughs> Nobody would. No one wants to watch me uh, not nail it. All the songs would have to be like very slow rock jams, even though that's not even the music that I like to listen to. It's just that it would all have to be like hill climbs and really slow paced things because um, my legs don't move as fast as they used to. Okay. Not qualified for that, but probably very qualified for whatever comes next. That should what? be how you would open your class. My legs don't look, move quite I like they used to. I am not. I'm like, don't look at me. Look at the person in front of yourself. you. Look at look inward. <laughs> what are you doing on that bike to out. nowhere? Yeah, lights are. I would turn the lights like completely off. <laughs> Aren't they always completely off? No, it's like romantic. It's like club lighting. Oh. The lights are on. It's that scary 7 p.m. mood light. There's like <laughs> candles and shark attack, shark yeah. attack time. Look, 
Who even knows? Because nobody's going anywhere anymore. And all of my exercise now is just wearing sweatpants and going to the bakery. (laughs) 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 That's true. Okay. Okay. Well, so what about, and I've seen, I know you like doing this, but I don't know if you would be able to do it professionally. Yeah. But a singer. Like, why would you be a great singer? This is a terrible game. I'm also (laughs) not, I can't do that. (laughs) Oh, really? See, I I thought you really like singing. I do. I love it. But I'm not good. I'm very, I think I'm really bad at it. Like, really bad at it. So, okay. I guess I could do it, but it would, no one would like it. But that doesn't mean that I'm not qualified. <laughs> what would your genre be? Songs rendered horribly. <laughs> 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 I do. I love to sing, but like, it's, you know, and I don't even know how bad, I think singing is a little bit like cooking. Like you don't really know what your capabilities are until other people kind of shake their heads. And then you go, Oh, was it really? I thought it was pretty good. And they're like, "Mm." and you're like, Oh, that's, I mean, I've sung songs on the show before. And now everyone's like, we probably shouldn't do a song. And I'm like, really? Is it, was it that bad? And I think the answer is yes. Like I, Definitely thought I was qualified to do it. I knew it would be bad, but maybe it's like really bad. I don't know. I still sing all the time and no one likes it. I like it. I didn't answer your question. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I right. really didn't. It's okay though. Okay. All right. I hope that I think you're being a little hard on yourself. Ooh. Yeah. We, we think you could do okay. a lot of these. Okay. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Why would you be an incredible gardener? Oh, I think I could do that. Yeah, I think... You could go into landscaping? I... Okay. I won't go into landscaping, but I... We're not holding you to any of these answers. So don't try to make me. Don't try to make me. (laughs) But I actually think, like, if I had chosen that path, I would be pretty good at it, because I do have an... I know what a garden should look like, and I'd love to do it. Although there are a lot of mysteries about gardening... That are like, what? Every time I hear about them, I'm like, what What happened? But I do think that I have a nice eye for what looks good in a garden. And I love to grow vegetables. Do you want to talk more about one gross <laughs> thing that happened in my garden last summer? Yes, sure. of course. <laughs> we discovered we had these tomato plants because we were gardening heavily last summer. Even though I would say my husband is more the gardener than me. And then we found these, like all the tomatoes were getting eaten. Like, and I mean, like you would go to bed and there would be a big, juicy, almost there tomato. And you'd be like, I'm so excited to slice it on a sandwich. And then we would wake up in the morning and it was just obliterated, like an apple core, like a spent apple core. And finally we figured out that there were these like great horned caterpillar worms or like they're just i can't remember what they're called but they look exactly like a tomato plant and they're three inches long and as fat as a cigar and they just sit under the leaves of your tomato plant waiting for you to go to bed and they (laughs) decimate your plant and and like give you the finger they're so big and you have to pull them off they have suckers and you have to go there's no cure for them except you standing in your tomato plant pulling them off sucker by sucker and putting them in your hand and then feeding them to the birds. The end. End of rant. Oh, that's actually a good segue to the next potential career for you. Uh, Okay. Do you think you could ever be sort of an animal trainer slash wrangler? I do. I could. Extrapolate on that. (laughs) I think I could. Uh, Sure. I'm good with animals. I, some are better than others. I don't know that I would want to do that as a job, but I do have good relationships with animals. Although I was just reading about crows and how you can like, how they can, will hate you for their lifetime. If you do them, if you do a crow wrong, they will not only will they hate you and tell all their friends and family to also hate you. They will pass that information down 
for generations of crows. Whoa, yeah. so crows hold grudges. Grudges, like family grudges against a family or a that. person. It's so... I how, love a family grudge. How would you do a crow wrong? <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I mean, they're, yeah. they have a different set of standards, and I'm not sure they Very high be, standards. I guess if you knocked into their nest or like a right. fledgling <laughs> fell out of the nest or something and you didn't well, that's properly... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you have a dog that runs wild in your yard and it and it bothers them. Anyways, I'm <laughs> dead afraid of them. We I was afraid of sharks my whole life. I should have been afraid of crows. They are called murders. <laughs> and they will murder you. If they were just like a little bigger, they would kill yeah. us all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good note to end on. Oh no, is that okay? <laughs> okay. They'll kill us all. They will the crows are coming for us. The end. <laughs> That's how we finished the pandemic. During the pandemic, the crows all got like one foot taller and ended us. Another super crow. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, we always end this podcast on an unexpected note. We always take the listeners who made it to the very end on a real journey of learning what a fucking nerd I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you like my podcast. If you did, let me know in the comments. If you didn't, I'm sending the crows to your yard. No. <laughs> I don't know. Not a terrible. Terrible. Idea. Anyway, please consider hate listening in the future. Seriously, though, please rate, review, and subscribe to Full Release on Apple Podcasts. And keep sending your questions to fullrelease at sandy.com. I might even answer them in a future episode. And don't forget to tune in to Full Frontal with Samantha B. Of course, every Wednesday night at 10.30 p.m. on TBS. And there you will see me in the flesh. And if you need even more of me, Jesus Christ. Oh, you're a super fan. There's additional full release on Stitcher Premium. And we'll see you next Tuesday for another full release. This podcast is brought to you by Earwolf and TBS and was produced by Adam Howard and Svea Baron-Reinstein with research provided by Noreen Malik in IT and technical production provided by High Tech. It was edited by Julia Fott and hosted by me, Samantha B. <laughs> has he been using this microphone? Is that why the dongle broke? He's the one who fucked up he your fucked dongle. He fucked up my fucking dongle and he used it too much.